This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here and well done to the team. These are the guys that work behind the scenes. So, well done. We, uh, we appreciate you and... You did such a good job, and the Lord's presence is here. And I, I was just thinking as we ended this morning singing God of Revival, maybe just sort of sense, maybe there's somebody that kind of says whatever. You know, I mean, this is not my reality at the moment. I don't feel like this. And uh, just sort of sense that God just wants to come and comfort you and surround you with his grace and his love and, and just his presence. So let him just comfort you this morning. So when you fall, get to numbers in the Bible, it's like that's when they counted the people, you know, and like, obviously, we, we are all doing numbers at the moment. I think that we are giving tax returns back and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but numbers is, is actually an amazing book because it gives us insight into different things. And, and from chapter 22 to 24 of, of the whole history of Balaam and, and spe- specifically Balak, who was the king of, of, of Moab, of the Moabites, there's a lot of bites in the Bible. You'll see there's like Moabites, Hittites, and then some men in tights maybe. I don't know. I don't think they had tights. But anyway, there were lots of those people that were giving, that were causing trouble and, and making people, you know. And, and, and what happened is that Israel was moving and they actually, they, they went through Moab and they actually told the king in, in, in chapter 21, you can go and read, just do yourself a favor and read sort of from 21. In chapter 21, it talks about, we read about the, the snake on the pole. And then we read about how Israel actually went through Moab and said, listen, we're not going to disturb anything. We're just going to go through. And then the king of Moab took offense and he went and attacked Israel and he got beaten up. Um, Sounds like yesterday. But anyway, somebody got beaten up yesterday. We're sorry about that. But they got beaten up. And, and then uh, we see how Balak then calls um, Balaam and says, listen, you need to curse Israel. And it looks like if you read those first few chapters, and especially also if you kind of read in Peter, um, in, in, in the, the, the book of Peter, that where he talks about Balaam, he talks about people that have gone off the road. Um, they have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beer, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him in a human voice. These people are useless and dried up springs or a mist blown away by the wind. So, so we, we kind of get an idea that, that, that Balaam uh, was, was actually doing the wrong stuff. He was, he, was, he was being paid by this king, although we read that he told the king every time, listen, I'm going to hear what God is going to say, and I'm only going to say what God says. But it seems like, and what we get from Peter, it seems like Balaam, he actually missed the, the cues. He, he missed it. So, but then we come to, to chapter 24, and, and it says, By now Balaam realized that the Lord was determined to bless Israel. So he did not resort to divination as before. Instead, he turned and looked toward the wilderness, and where he saw the people of Israel camped tribe by tribe. 
And then the Spirit of God came upon him, and this is the message that he delivered. And, and in the Amplified, it's beautiful. It says, the oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of a man whose eyes is opened at last to see clearly the purposes and the will of God. The oracle of one who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down, but having his eyes opened and uncovered. And as I, as I, was, as I was looking and, and what's happening at the moment in our country, you know, that, that we, we need to sort of come to this place where we kind of looking at this world that we are in and and we 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 see the world is is falling apart and we we don't know you know we don't know what to do we we kind of don't don't know what the next step is so how do we overcome how do we overcome in this unstable world how what do we do in this instability and just looking at the story of Balaam, it, it just like encouraged me again that there's certain things that we kind of have to do. We have to renew our minds. We have to start looking differently. And a lot of what happened to Balaam is that something changed inside of him, and it was his belief system. And I really believe that all of us, we've been challenged in our belief system because we say we believe something, but now that the poor boy hits the fan and when things go wrong, we kind of say, but... What the heck's going on? How do we how do we do this? How do we overcome in in this in this in this world that we're living in? Well, the first thing that we see that Balaam did, and what we're supposed to do, is to connect with God. Um, Balaam was so overwhelmed by the request of the king that he kind of decided and he said to the king, "Listen, I have to go hear what God is saying." And I don't know, the, the first thing that people do, and especially like in marriages, and we, we see a lot of times when you're going through a dif- difficult time, what you do is you actually disconnect. And when people go through difficult times in their life, instead of connecting with God, we kind of disconnect with Him. And maybe it's time for us to just kind of connect with Him again. Say, Lord, I want to connect. So we need to connect. So... When we're looking at this world and when we kind of think, but how do I, how do we survive? How do we overcome in this un- unstable and, and instability, things that are, that are going wrong and we don't understand what's going on? How do we, how do we work this out? How do we overcome? How do we, how do we find hope in, in this hopelessness? The second thing that, 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 that happens and we see in Balaam is that it's, he says that, at last my eyes are open and at last to see clearly the purpose and the will of God. So we have to kind of allow God to open our eyes. And I, and I, and I want to encourage you today that if your eyes are open, then you can start seeing what is God doing? What is he up to? What is, what is he doing? And I love what Jesus did because just thinking of John chapter 5 where Jesus was talking and he said that I only do what I see my father doing. It's like a, that was his perspective. So Jesus' eyes were, were open to see what the father was doing. If you only see the negative, this will be your picture. I mean, if, if, you, if that's all you see, you have to ask God to open your eyes. 
and to, to show you his perspective. What is God seeing at the moment? I mean, we, we see turmoil, and yes, it's, it's terrible. I mean, what's happening is unacceptable. It's, it's, it's terrible. But we have to ask God to, to open our eyes. And something happened to Balaam because when he looked at Israel through God's eyes, something changed inside of him. And it's like when we look at the world through God's eyes, we, we start loving them. We start looking at them differently. So, so we, we, we have to do that. So the third thing is that we see the purposes of God. All of a sudden, Balaam's eyes are open, and he saw what God wanted to do, and he saw God's heart for Israel. It's like he understood what God wanted to do. And it's amazing when we pray for people, when we, when we kind of get God's perspective on the situation, we pray differently. It changes the way that we look at it. And so Balaam says, all of a sudden, I see the purposes of God. And we, we read, I mean, in, 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 in chapter 22, 23, 24, 23 um, is, is where he is now going to bring this word. And, and it, it, he must have in his heart, God had seen his heart and knew that Balaam was on a dangerous path. And so eventually, uh, the, 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 the angel of the Lord stands in the way with a sword and the donkey sees the angel. And he tries to get out of the way, and then Balaam hits the poor donkey, and, and then the donkey talks. What's, what's, what always amazes me about that story is that Balaam, he just kind of just goes on talking to the donkey. My first thing would be, hey, I didn't know you can talk. <laughs> but he just kind of goes into this conversation because he's angry with this donkey, and he's on his way. He's got his plan. I, I want to do this thing. And, and in Afrikaans, we say he's hardkoppig. You know, he's like he's hard-headed. He, he's just, he's got his own thought. And I mean, I'm sure none of you looking or watching us today or even the people sitting here today are hardkoppig people. I'm sure you all just always do the right thing. You know, it's me. I'm preaching to myself. I've been on that donkey before. And I'm so, what, may, what saddens me is that the donkey sees more than, than Balaam. And sometimes it's really... Like, sometimes our dog sees more than we see about the presence of God, about, his, about him being there. So God had to kind of bring him to a standstill, to open his eyes, and to see the purposes, to see what is God doing, what does he want to do. You see, we, we are so inclined to kind of, I, I've done that many times, where I kind of have three good plans. And then I tell the Lord, okay, choose one. Because I really feel these three are good, but you can just take one. But, but God says, no, man, you just forget about that. I'm actually already way ahead of you. I'm already busy doing something. Just open your eyes to see my purpose, to see where I am. I'm already doing something, and come and join me. So God invites us to join him because he's always working. Jesus said, my father's always working. And so we, we need to start seeing the purpose. Then the fourth, the fourth thing that we see happens here is, is to hear the words of God, to listen to his voice, and to make sure that we're listening to him and not, not rumors. I mean, we, we know fake news is the in thing on, on Facebook, and, 
And how many of us have been caught by that? You know, you listen or you read something and, and you actually don't go check it up. You don't look what is the origin, what is the source of the thing, and you actually get caught up by that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. You see, that, that's, what, that's what lies want to do. They want to exalt themselves above truth. They want to exalt themselves above God. So you have to make a decision to take your thoughts captive. Because those thoughts are filled with suspicion. I don't know, but for me, lately, it seems like some people think suspicion is a fruit of the Spirit, but it's not. Okay, just let it go. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not there. It's not enlisted in the list of nine. But suspicion is a terrible thing because you start thinking stuff. You know, your child is late from school, and your first thought is that they, oh, my word, something bad has happened. Why don't we start thinking Good stuff. And say, you know what, my child's actually late because the principal must probably call him in because they're going to give him a special prize at school. But we don't think like that, have you? We don't think positive. We don't think. We always we go into these rumors and suspicions. And, and it's amazing that once you've taken that suspicion, the enemy knows he doesn't actually have to do more because you're going to take it further. And you, you do a good job, so he doesn't worry. I mean, he just puts the, he plants the suspicion, and we do the rest. And, and that's how, how important it is for us to, to keep our thoughts focused. So take your, your thoughts captive. Um, and, and it's amazing. There's, there's a scripture, I don't have it on, on, on screen, but you can go and look it up in, in Isaiah 58. I was just thinking of that now. Um, when, when you call the Lord, he will answer, I am here. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. That's Isaiah 58. And he talks about the true fast. He talks about what, what are we supposed to fast of? And actually what we're supposed to fast of is speaking badly about other people. Have you ever fasted about saying bad stuff or thinking negative things? That's a good fast. You know, it's like fasting from food is, 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 is a challenge, but it's, it's kind of easy to, to fast from, from not eating, but to fast from saying bad stuff about someone or speaking negative things. And, and that's what Isaiah says. He says that the moment that you stop pointing your finger, spreading vicious rumors, feed the hungry around you will be as bright as noon. When we stop spreading rumors, when we stop pointing fingers and saying it's their fault, this one, but rather focusing on what is God doing. And that's exactly what most probably and what, what it seems like to me in the process of Balaam is that something happened inside of him because he started seeing things differently. Um, you know, and it, it, it's, it's amazing. In, in Proverbs, there's a verse in Proverbs 18 that I read this week that says, Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Dainty morsels, they just sink into your heart. And, and we have to, and that's why Paul says, take every thought captive. Grab hold of those little morsels and don't let them find a place in your heart. 
in the fifth place, we see that Balaam says he saw a vision from God. He saw a vision. God showed him a different picture. I, I, I love it, you know, because I, I see it in Jesus too, that Jesus, his eyes was fixed on his father. So he exactly, he always, Jesus always responded to his father. He never lived in reaction to the devil. And, and guys, if you, if you fall into that trap where you start living in reaction to the devil, you're on a very, like, it's a difficult path to run because you're always going to feel out of control because you're living in reaction instead of responding. Responding is relationship. You see, it's a, it's a living thing. It's like God has got, God is busy in my life. God is doing something in my life. And, and so I'm not, I'm not living in reaction. And a lot of people do that. We live in reaction. And I kind of want to encourage you not to, because our first thought when something bad happens, when things go wrong, we, we kind of want to run in and we, we're living from a reaction place. And we kind of want to run into that place and, and, and change it. Sometimes we just have to kind of remain. Where, where are we at the moment? Where are you at the moment? You, the Bible says that we are in Christ. So that's your place. It's like sitting, that's, that's, I, that's Psalm 91. That he who dwells in the secret place of the Almighty. See, God knew that the safest place to put us is to put us into Christ. So your starting point determines the end. So if you start, if that's where you are, I mean, why, why worry? If I'm in Christ, my, my, my end is already determined because of my start. But we, we are so, you know, we get so thrown over by, by situations and circumstances that, that we forget so we need, to, we need to live in a response. We need to live in that place, in the secret place of the Almighty. You see that? It's like sitting. I'm in Christ. Yeah, I'm in Christ. And now something bad happens. And instead of staying in Christ, I run out of the secret place and I try and go and fix it. So for what, I, what I've learned and something that I kind of tell myself in my mind, instead of, instead of running forward, why don't you just take a step back into Christ into the secret place and just relax, sit with him and live from a place of responding and not reacting. And then number six, he says, bowing down and it, it, it opens my eyes. Um, so, so when we want to overcome, we, we bow down. And it opens our eyes and it changes my perspective. Prayer changes everything. It's like, when, like what, what does Balaam say? Balaam says in, in, in that verse, <clears throat> he says, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down, but having his eyes open and uncovered. It's like there's a, you can try this, try this at home tonight or you can try it later. Is like when you fall on your knees, there are little switches here on our knees. And when we fall on our knees, our eyes open. <laughs> That's what, what Balaam is saying. He says, I fell on my knees and my eyes open. So, so try these switches. I've, I've just like, 
when you fall on your knees, it means that there's a desperateness and there's a, there's a wanting to connect with God. And it's amazing that when you're on your knees, there's a different perspective. Because there's a humbleness, there's something that happens. I mean, that's why guys go on their knees when they ask their, someone to get engaged. Because there's something about going on our knees. But Balaam says, something happened when I fell on my knees. My eyes were uncovered. There's, there's something that happens that, that my eyes are opened. And we can never underestimate the power of prayer. prayer. We have to pray. But we also have to pray with authority. It's again that, that whole thing of understanding my position. And that I can see things the way that God sees. And the wonderful thing is we don't have to persuade him to do something about it. We are simply standing in a position of authority saying, God, this is not okay in our country at the moment. What's happening is not right. And, and we want to trust you. God, we need, you know, so the responsibility is that God, we give it to God. We want to respond because of the fact that we see Jesus was always moved by compassion. Jesus never lived from reaction. The key is, is just to get with the Lord. It's just to be with him. To, like Balaam says, go on your knees. Your eyes are open. You start seeing what God is doing. And Jesus modeled something completely different. And I don't think that we, we, we will get this until we learn to see what the Father is doing, until we change the fact that we really believe and that we can say this morning, I really believe that God will do this. I'm trusting him. I'm holding on to him. And he wants to show us what he's busy doing. And the fact is that God has the answer. And as, as long as we live in, in, in this panic sort of situation, as, as long as when, when my circumstances start affecting me, then I lose perspective. And I believe that God has the answer. He knows what he's doing. So what has to change? <clears throat> I have to change. And I have to, instead of, instead of living... Because we do that. We live from the, the outside in. Like everything on the outside affects the way that I respond. But when, when I live from the inside out, then my perspective changes. And that's what Balaam understood. Because he knew that, I mean, the world was unstable. I mean, they were, they were in the promised land. They were busy taking, uh, taking ground. They were busy finding and seeing what God was doing. And, and they came into trouble. And that's why it's so wonderful this morning that we can kind of, how do we, how do we, how do we do this? How do we live in this unstable world? I believe it's time for us to connect with God. It's time for us to allow God to open our eyes and not to look and not to 
to, to, to see what, what I see with my own eyes, but to start seeing what is God showing us. See the purposes of God. And all of a sudden, it's wonderful when you see the word that, listen to this, what, what he says. I mean, the Spirit of God came upon him and, and the message he delivered, you know, is that, that all of a sudden, and then, then he, he says, my eyes are open. And then he says, how beautiful are your tents, O Jacob. How lovely are your homes, O Israel. They spread before me like palm grows or like a majestic valley, like gardens by the riverside. They are all tall trees planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. This has been an upside-down time in the world. And, 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 and how do we overcome this unstable world? It's to see what God is seeing. So I pray that for us, that God would open our eyes, that he would help us to see his purposes, to, to understand what is God doing? Lord, what is your purpose? What, is, what does this all mean? I mean, remember on the day of Pentecost, everybody says, what does this mean? And then they said, Lord, what must we do? You see, we, we've kind of fallen into a place where we all say, you know, um, oh my word, whose fault is it? And why is this happening? There isn't an answer for why. If you, if you keep on asking why, you will remain the victim in the situation. So we're going to say, Lord, what are you busy doing? And what do you want us to do? And we, we hear his words. He opens our ears and we listen to him. We, we take our thoughts captive. We don't go negative. And we start speaking life over South Africa, our situation, our children. And, and the reality is that a lot of people have gone through difficult times. Some people have lost dear ones to death. I mean, with COVID, there are so many of our friends that have died. And it's like, it's devastating. But I have to look with different eyes. I have to put my eternal glasses on because there's an eternity. The Bible says that this is a moment of eternity. But this moment sometimes is not so lacquer. But we have to look with his eyes. And so when we see the vision of God, we don't react to the devil, we respond to the Father. And then we learn when we go through these things to go on our knees, our eyes are opened, and we start seeing because we see God's perspective. So, Father, this morning I just pray for us, all of us, those that are watching. Father, that you will just come and surround us with your love. And I pray, I pray for you this morning as, you, as you're watching this program that where you've given up hope, I want to pray that God will give you hope, that he will, he will give you perspective, that he will open your eyes and that you will start seeing what he sees. I pray that he will pray, that he will change your belief system, that he will, he will help you to to just see things in a different perspective. And Father, I, I just pray, I pray that you'll just come. Come and bring a shift in our hearts. Come and change my, my reality. Come and change my perspective. I choose to, to see what you are doing, Lord. I, I don't want to be affected. I don't want to be driven by by money or like, like Balaam was, he was getting money from, from the king. 
And I don't, I don't need to, I want to see you before the donkey sees you, Lord. I want to see you in every circumstance in my life. Help me to go on my knees. Help me that my eyes will open to see at last what you are busy doing. Thank you that you come and renew us, Lord, as we live. And the reality is, yes, we are in an unstable world. But, Lord, thank you that my position is in you. I am in Christ. And because I'm in you, in you I live and I move and I have my being and I look at things differently. So thank you for that. Thank you that you are a faithful father. And I just pray that you would just come this morning in the name of Jesus and comfort those that are struggling, that are going through a hard time. Come and help them to see what you are busy doing. So may the Lord bless you today. May he... May he keep you, may he make his face to shine upon you, and may he give you his peace as you, as you seek his face, as you start seeing the way God sees things. Just surround you today with his goodness, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.